taking your farm, your business or your home off-grid was once considered quite unusual. But today, with the new developments in technology, it's the done thing. And if your home, farm or business is remote from the grid, it's the way to go. And someone who can help with that is the Victorian Tasmanian manager of off-grid energy, Aaron Lutas. Aaron and his crew from Off-Grid Energy was at the recent Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. Climate Conversations talked with Aaron and his crew at the Seymour event, but then caught up with him a few days later over the phone to talk with him about Off-Grid Energy. We'll get through a few formalities and then we'll have a discussion with Aaron. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean, and I'm coming to you from Shepparton in Victoria, Australia, from the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. I've been involved with the practical side of the climate conversation since the early 2000s. That's attending lectures and reading whatever I could find. And although the public interest has broadened as the years have passed, it became apparent to me a few years ago that much more needed to be said. And it was important, terribly important, that we were making much more noise. Unsure of what to do to reach more people, I decided to try my hand, or should I say more correctly, my voice, at podcasting. And what you're listening to now is the result of those efforts. There appeared to be a great silence about the climate crisis, and this podcast is an effort by me to increase the volume of my voice, and so help end that silence. Fortunately, it was not as silent as I had thought, as many other podcasts were beavering away and were attempting to alert the world to the climate crisis, and several months ago I was found, so to speak, by Mark Spencer from the Climactic Collective. Music for this podcast comes courtesy of Music for a Warming World, a Melbourne-based group, and you'll find a link to that group in the episode notes. I trust you'll enjoy this episode, and if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends. Aaron, what's your role with Off-Grid Energy? I'm the state manager here for Victoria and Tasmania, so I, I look after operations here and do you know system design and technical sales really. When you say here, where's here? I'm based in Torquay, yeah, but we uh, we operate all over Australia and, and really most of the work I do is in Victoria. Yeah, r- most of the off-grid stuff is sort of rural, remote sort of locations where around the fringe of the grid where people don't have any power connection from the main grid or it's too expensive to connect it. How old is off-grid energy? Like how old is the company? No, I think we turned 11 years old uh, this year. Um, Yeah, so we've been around for a while, started over in Adelaide. Um, Yeah, so I think 2011, would that be right? Yeah. But you're about right, yeah. Yeah. So... Has there always been an interest in off-grid or is it something's happened lately? No, it's uh, the business was started as an off-grid specific business uh, and I guess that's probably one 
thing that differentiates us from a lot of other solar companies out there. Um, you know, over the last 10 or 15 years, most of what's been going in is Grid Connect Solar on rooftops. And, you know, what we've seen in the last few years is that there's more companies starting to get into Grid Connect batteries and some coming across and doing more off-grid stuff. But I guess we've, we've come from a different direction. We've come from an off-grid background. We do do a little bit of Grid Connect battery storage stuff but we don't do any solar-only jobs, really. And, and uh, yeah, we, we try and specialise in off-grid because it's a bit of a different beast uh, to Grid Connect. Um, it's a bit more critical to get things right because it, basically a, it's their essential power supply that you're providing the customer and you become like the electricity company hmm. for them, uh, yeah. Yeah, off-grid was a, it was a bit more uh, esoteric a few years ago, but it's more practical now, isn't it? So can you tell me about that change? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when they think about off-grid systems, they think about what off-grid might have been like 15, 20 years ago, you know, when the solar panels were a lot more expensive and there was a bit more reliance on the generator to play a role. And, you know, a lot of people were worried that, you know, if I turn the washing machine on, do I need to run the generator at the same time? But I guess modern off-grid systems... Now the solar, it's much cheaper to put more solar on to cover pretty much the majority of your needs. And, um, yeah, the generator plays a much smaller part in the system. So modern off-grid systems are, are very reliable. And, um, yeah, I guess the other change we've seen in the last few years has been a bit of a transition from lead-acid batteries to lithium-type batteries and... Uh, yeah. So has that been a major change? Yeah, it's been a pretty big change. Um, yeah, battery chemistry, uh, you know, it's it's a bit different. Yeah, the, the lithium batteries, they'll, they'll charge up a lot quicker. They don't have that stepped uh, charging profile that lead-acid batteries do. You get, With lead-acid, you've got to slow down the charge rate as they get up towards being full through an absorption charge, whereas lithium... You can charge them up more quickly. Uh, lithium lend themselves a bit more to expansion as well. So uh, you can have a more modular system. You might start off with a smaller battery, and if you, your needs increase over time, the, you can add to it. I understand that the, the complexity and the size of the system would I- influence the cost dramatically, but can you give me a basic idea of what the cost would be, say, a detached house, a couple of workshops, and maybe some other facilities what would the basic cost of something like that be? Oh, yeah, it, it can vary quite a lot. Um, I guess for typical homes that we do, you know, I'd expect most most systems sort of come out between $30,000 and $80,000 for a typical house. Um, you know, some of the larger three-phase homes or luxury properties or farming sort of properties that are a bit bigger than a typical house that have you know, outbuildings and work, workshops and sheds and things, uh, you know, they can be hundred dollars to $200,000, sometimes more. Which I guess is not too bad when you consider the fact that it's going to cost many thousands of dollars to put a power line into the place, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of cases we're talking to customers and, you know, the power lines are, are quite a distance away and they might be looking anywhere from $30,000, $50,000, $100,000, sometimes $200,000 or more for bringing power onto site. So that makes the off-grid system really cheap. Yeah, and, and quite often it's comparable and people are making the decision to go off-grid because it's a, 
it's more economic than you know spending your money on on upgrading the network operator's infrastructure and then having to pay electricity bills on top of that. Right, people prefer to have that independence, invest in their own asset, you know, that they're going to own, and then yeah, there, there are some you know small amount of maintenance costs and maybe a little bit of diesel over the life of the system, and then you probably got to think about battery replacement, uh, maybe inverter replacement at some stage in the in the future. But, um, you know, it can stack up pretty economically compared to grid connection in a lot of these um, sites around the fringe of grid. And So what would be the role of the generator in that? Like how often would it be used? Oh, look, I, I tell people most of our system designs, you know, the solar and batteries are doing something like 98 99% of the energy um, delivery to the house. Uh, over the year, and the, the the generators are really just uh, it's there for for a backup. So we'll normally set it to do a maintenance run once a week for five minutes. Um, and apart from that, it's it's really pinch point. You know, we're sort of heading towards the shorter stay at the moment. We've just had our our first couple of winterish sort of days here in Melbourne, uh, where the solar production's been down a little bit. I guess if you get a, a run of of bad uh, solar weather, particularly if that's close to the shortest day of the year, you know, you can start to see some generator support for the solar if the batteries get low. Um, but the generator, probably the other thing is its redundancy. You know, if if at some stage, you know, these systems design, you know, the design life of these systems we're putting in a sort of 20 plus years really, uh, you may need to do some maintenance and replace components in that time frame. But um you know, at some stage, if this solar inverter packs up something like that and you've got to get a warranty replacement, you've got a generator there to to uh, make sure you've got reliable supply while you get um, any problems uh, fixed up. Yeah. Do you work out a payback period for most of your installations? Not normally because, you know, people are weighing up against that upfront cost, you know, so they might be in front from day one. You know, if it's going to cost them 100000 to connect power lines and the off-grid system's 50000 you know, they're, they're already in front from day one, so the, there's no real payback period. It's just, uh, well, it's paid for itself. Um, right from the start. And more from, from the start, you know. So, um yeah, I guess we, we do some grid connect battery storage and I guess my advice to people, solar pays itself off pretty quickly on its own. But uh, if you add a battery to a grid connect system and you don't have that infrastructure cost offset, you know, you know, a decent battery system is going to be probably 10 years or um, sometimes more. For Most of the systems you do are off grid, but would something like that work in an urban area? Yeah, well, we do do grid connect um, solar and battery systems using the same equipment that we use in an off-grid system. Probably the only difference is you just reprogram it instead of having a generator as the um, backup. You've got the grid there as your backup. Um, so you can have an off-grid style system or just a, a grid connect battery system that's connected to the grid and you, you're mainly running off your solar and batteries and the, and the grid just plays a supporting role and I guess the other benefit to that is in an off-grid system you know a lot of our customers the batteries are going to be charged by 10 a.m in the morning in summer and you've got all this excess solar potential that could be generated but if you're not home or you're not using much electricity 
that solar actually gets ramped down, doesn't get produced, it's almost wasted, you know. Uh, so in a grid connect scenario, you can actually export uh, that back into the grid and you get paid a small amount for that that you can put towards covering some of your service charges or, um, you know, what you're buying in the evenings. Yep. Aaron, have you done any localised power grids? Let's say maybe four or five houses that all draw from one battery? Uh, we haven't done anything like that where it's across uh, um, property boundaries. Uh, we've done a few like little microgrids where you've got a farm, farming property and you've got, you know, multiple sheds and outbuildings and, and a house and things like that um, with a centralised battery system. But, you know, it gets a bit more complex when you're trying to design systems where it's it's going across property boundaries and, and providing um, power to uh, multiple houses, yeah. I saw you at the old, at the Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. Um, off-grid would have once been considered alternative, but now appears to be almost risk-free. Is that correct? I wouldn't say it's risk-free. Oh, I guess, I guess um, nothing's know, risk-free, yeah. is it? Yeah. I guess we we see customers that come to us that have you know made a decision uh, to go with maybe a, a company that hasn't specialised in off-grid. They maybe do a bit of grid connect solar, and they've they've gone that way and, and maybe not got the right equipment for for off-grid. They've used like a grid connect battery or something to go off-grid. We've seen that a couple of times and people have realised that, you know, it's, it doesn't quite cut cut it when you need something that's really reliable. Um, you know, so they've, they've come to us wanting us to help, you know, sort out uh, issues that they're having or, you know, I think some of the solar companies out there don't understand the level of support that's required for, um, you know, an off-grid system. If there's a problem and, you know, someone has a problem and it's Saturday night at 10 o'clock or it's, you know, uh, Christmas Day or something, um, you need, you know, if you have a power outage, you need the electricity company to pick up the phone, you know, if you ring them and want to get problems sorted out. So... Yeah, there's things like that to consider, and I think that's one of the most important things I try and impress on, you know, potential customers is that, you know, that after you install the system, you know, what sort of support are you going to have if there is a problem uh, with the with the system? Have you got someone who's going to be able to, um, you know, play a role there to help help get you back online uh, if you need to? Yeah. So, so does your company provide 24-hour support? Yeah, we have an emergency support line. Um, so basically, yeah, if uh, someone has a problem outside of business hours, you know, we'll, um, you know, there's a mobile number that we give our customers and it gets uh, referred on to, to whoever's on call. And, yeah, you can leave a message. And really, it's for urgent inquiries and, uh, yeah, and, and we can get back and help them get online uh, again. Yeah, and most of the time, you know, we can talk through that with a customer over over the phone. We've got pretty much most of our systems are uh, connected to the internet. We can see what's happening or what what's happened just before the power went out, and we can sort of talk them through um, getting back online um, pretty quickly. Yep. Aaron, I sat through one of your workshops or lectures at at Seymour, and while I thought you did a great job, I could see that. 
in answering personal questions from various people, you could quickly get into the weeds of something that didn't really interest the rest of the people. So that illustrates to me that every 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 installation is very personal and needs specific information or specific design for it, doesn't it? So I, yeah. I, I guess when you go to a yeah. customer, you would sit down with them and say, "Well, look, this is where this is what you've got. This is what you need to do, and this is what we can provide for you." Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you're designing and installing off-grid systems in Australia, you're supposed to do a full load analysis uh, or a load assessment where you're looking at what appliances the client's going to have in their off-grid system, um, you know, how long they're going to use for wattage they are, and you build up a bit of a profile of what their energy consumption and power needs are going to look like. And then using that to base you know, system design on. So it is, you know, it's not really um, something that you just have, you know, small, medium, and large house, and these are your three options. There's a lot of variables uh, to think about. You know, you know where the solar panels are going to go. Are they on the roof? Are they flat mounted? Are they tilt framed? Are they is it ground mount array? You know. Um, thinking about location of, of battery equipment and stuff like that and making sure that, you know, it's a stable temperature in the room, ventilated, insulated, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and, and sizing, you know, is different for a lot of jobs. So what do you see are the main advantages of being off-grid? The main advantage is a lot of people like that independence, I guess. Self-sufficiency is a big thing um, for people and, and it might be driven by the pure you know, independence or want to be independent from from the grid and not be – a lot of people are fed up, I guess, with their electricity companies and have had a bad, you know, customer service experience with it. Um, yeah, so that independence is one thing or, you know, they might have an environmental conscious about wanting to do something good. Um, but, you know, probably a big driver for most of our off-grid customers is, is cost and – you know, if they've got a high cost of connection to bring power lines onto site and upgrade a transformer and get the grid connected, you know, quite often that's a big driver for people to say, well, it's actually going to be cheaper for me to go off-grid. And uh, and that often, I'd say, is probably one of the bigger, um, yeah, motivators or benefits for being off-grid. So, so do you see any great disadvantages, disadvantages of being off-grid? Well, I think if a system's designed well, um, you know, and you're using good quality equipment from a reputable supplier who knows what they're doing, you know, there's pretty minimal disadvantages. I guess the generator, you know, people don't like generators and uh, in general, I guess, and, and, you know, if you've bought a nice property out in the, in the country, um, you know, having to deal with diesel and noise and stuff like that from the generator can be a, a downside. But really, you know, we're minimising that that generator on time, yeah. I asked about downsides of an off-grid system. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I guess if you're going to pick a downside, I'd say, you know, having a generator in the system. But really, we, we highly recommend auto, auto start generators in all our systems. It just adds redundancy and reliability to the, to the system. When you say auto start, what do you mean by that? Oh, uh, you, you can buy a generator with an auto start controller on it, and uh, basically that just ties in with our battery inverter charger, and 
when the batteries get down low, you'll you'll call upon the generator. Uh, so to, it starts automatically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you just need to keep the fuel up to it and maintained. Uh, it's not like you need to manually go out and keep an eye on the battery state of charge and turn it on when the batteries get low. It'll just manage that all for you. So we really try to set up these systems so that they're low, low maintenance, uh, hassle-free systems. You're not going to have to think about them too much. Aaron, is there something else you'd like to say about your company? About off-grid energy, I guess, yeah, we're, I just uh, think we're probably, we've done over a 1,000 off-grid installations over the years, uh, and we have a lot of experience in this in this field, and I think if people are thinking about going off-grid, um, yeah, we can we can give a lot of good advice and sometimes think outside of the box and with, with problem solving, if they've got a particular solution that they need uh, resolved. So I guess that's where we we specialise. Um, you know, we don't do high volumes of, of small grid connect systems. Um, you know, we're probably more set up to deal with uh, more complex, um, you know, residential, commercial, uh, off-grid or battery storage projects. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we, we must be doing something right if we've been around 11 years because, you know, a lot of solar companies, there's a lot of turnover in the, in the solar industry. You see a lot of cheap prices advertised on TV and there's, there's a lot of turnover. Companies will come into the industry, they realise it's pretty, pretty high, uh, highly competitive and you might find a couple of years later they're no longer around and they've installed all these solar systems or off-grid systems that are, you know, essentially orphaned. They, they don't have someone uh, they can ring that uh, installed the system and can look after them. They've got to try and find someone else to, to help out if there's a problem. So, yeah, I think longevity in the solar industry is, um, is a big thing and, and, you know, 10, 11 years is um, it's no easy feat. Next I asked Aaron, had his company done any work in the Goulburn Valley? Uh, oh, I need to have a look at the map. There's probably a few that we have. Um, the whole of central Victoria is really a hot spot for us. You know, everywhere from sort of Ballarat, Bendigo, uh, Burn Springs, across to Seymour, uh, up to Shepparton. Why would that be, Aaron? Why would that? Why would a specific part of the state? Well, be a hot spot? I think there's population growth, and there's there's people building in these sort of rural areas that are around the fringe of the grid where the infrastructure isn't there yet um, uh, or it might be too expensive to, to you know, have good uh, power infrastructure in, in some of these um, rural locations. So, and that's, that tends to be where people are, you know, starting to think about off-grid. If they've bought a block, maybe they've got the block a bit cheaper because uh, there's no power close by. Look at a... Uh, an alternative, and that's where off grid plays a role. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a friend who built a house down, down near Castlemaine, sort of out in the country a bit, and he could see the power line, but it was going to cost him seventy grand to get the the power line brought yeah. to his house. So yeah, that's not. I think he, he I think he set up an off grid yeah, system. Yeah, it's not so. uncommon these days. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty interesting, fast-moving field. Uh, you've got to keep your finger on the pulse with all the changes in, uh, you know, they call it the solar coaster, changes in uh, government policy 
changes in the standards, you know, changes in equipment and new products coming out. It's, um, it's all pretty fast-moving and uh, exciting place to, yeah, to work in, yeah. Was Seymour a successful event for you? Yeah, it was, actually. We, we go there every year and, uh, yeah, it's quite often, um, you know, where people people come up to us and, and they come there specifically looking for an off-grid solution. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, we do a few of those field days around the place. Uh, Seymour's one of the better ones, definitely, for, yeah, getting off-grid inquiries. Good number of people there, wasn't there? And it was over three days. Over yeah. three days makes it, yeah. makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's good to see, uh, it's good to see people out and about again. After it's sure face-to-face. Uh, sure <laughs> limitations that we've had. Yeah, it's nice to get out and talk to, to customers. In this era of constrained energy availability, more and more people are considering the possibility of going off-grid with their power supplies. That being the case, it would be worthwhile talking to Aaron at Off-Grid Energy because he got some good advice. Thanks, Aaron. We thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. Climate Conversations is published with the support of the Mark Spencer-published Climactic Collective. And it's just one of more than 20 podcasts making up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcasts can be found at climactic.fm. Music for Climate Conversations is from the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World. You can find a link to that group in the episode notes. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me. But you could help with the questions. And if there is something specific that needs addressing... But the question is not being asked of whom it should be asked. Please make a suggestion and send it to r.mclean, the number seven, at icloud.com. Earlier episodes of Climate Conversation can be found at the Climactic website. Simply search for climactic.fm. Go to the Climate Conversations artwork, click on that, and there you will find all the earlier episodes. Beyond that, and in all this climate chaos, remember just a few things. Put your faith in genuine climate science. Also, action is the best antidote to despair. And that, I must add, is one of the drivers of this podcast. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That ends this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care. Thank you.